Okay, you all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Blaney and this is episode 78. Speed to lead, dot, 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 isn't the only way. I thought I'd leave that dot, dot, dot ellipsis in there because it sounded more dramatic. Um, as everyone listening will already know, contacting leads as quickly as possible is hugely important. And um, we're certainly not going to dispute that today. But for the sake of doing something slightly more interesting than simply reaffirming that, we're going to look at a few examples of occasions where maybe being fast isn't necessarily the best option. Um, Simon, before we kind of dive into the exceptions, let's just very, very quickly cover the basics. Why is speed to lead so important in a traditional sense? So if we're talking about um, lead buyers buying leads from lead sellers, the reason why speed to lead is so important is because there's a lot of vertical intent, if they're like high intent leads from the user and the traditional lead gen model is one to many. Um, and so especially if it's like a multi-cell option, you want to be first as in three companies have received it, you want to be contacting them first. The other is um, users or visitors to sites. If you put into Google, like, I don't know, house insurance or something, um, there's a strong likelihood that you're going to have filled other forms in, you're going to be contacting other companies. So the idea is the quicker you are, the more responsive you are to that individual while they've got that intent and are searching at that moment, the more likely you are to potentially make a sale. Yeah, and you sort of hinted there, there. I don't want to get too bogged down it because people already know it, but there's stats to back this up, right? We all we all know these exist. You know, these. I mean, there's, there's that, I forget who it is, but there's that famous graph, right, where it sort of it shows you that the the result rates based on time and stuff. Yeah, there's been sort of all sorts of academic studies done into the response times of leads and how important it is. And basically it drops by like massive increments every minute, effectively. So um, I think the, the main one that everyone follows, which is actually done years ago, but definitely still applies now, um, was dropping in five minute increments. And they showed that basically for every five minutes that you left contacting someone there, the chances of you either qualifying them as a um, potential sale or making the sale drop by 50% every single time. Um, and so when you look at the speed that companies are contacting leads in with intent, um, knowing that's the case and that a user needs to be contacted really quickly to sort of maximize the intent at that moment you can see why you know these five minute increments matter so much if i search online um i'm sat i know at home at work whatever i'm doing and the phone rings i answer it whoever that is if my intent is strong enough i've got they've got a strong likelihood of making a sale right there hmm. um and so the, these academic studies sort of reinforce this and have um backed it up well, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna look at a few alternatives where maybe we think it's not necessarily the best thing or the little sort of the substitutes to it which are interesting. But before we do that, let's just quickly you mentioned vertical intent there. But before we're talking, you also mentioned how sometimes brand intent 
might be a slightly different thing before we delve into this kind of the, the big alternatives. Yeah, so this is, I think this is a really important point to establish here of speed to lead. So, right, there's three things at play here. So number one is you have little to no intent. It's basically as a breathing person and they might have just filled the form in or it's just some data that you've managed to collect. And speed to lead matters because everyone else is going to be trying to contact them. So for example, I'll just give like a real quick response. Let's say it's a co-sponsor lead, which is someone's filled a form in, in the privacy policy. It's got like 20 other companies hidden in there. They have that on an API and deliver it to those 20 companies. Half of them aren't going to do anything with it. Or they're going to email them or send something in the post. The other half are going to be calling them and they might be all different verticals, industries, whatever. And this person is going to get bombarded. So you can either sort of, you know, a lot of people rest it as they call it. There's actual like, you know, this is a big thing that a lot of people that buy sort of data do. They'll rest the data for a week and then contact it with the idea that it's all been exhausted and then they can step in like a hero and sort of mop up at the end. It's a really weird thought, isn't it? But um, where there's little intent, speed, and there's a live lead, speed is obviously highly relevant. You know, it's like first contact um, typically wins. Then you have vertical intent. So, you know, I want car insurance right now. I'm going to fill a form. I've just typed into Google, I want car insurance now. First ad that pops up to lead generator, I fill that in. They either multi-sell me, they've got me on a ping tree or working with a single client, whatever it is, or it is a brand collecting it. Their speed to lead is going to have to be high because I don't give two shits about who's going to contact me. I just want whatever that is now. And as long as what they're saying on the phone sounds plausible and is either competitive or I think it's a good deal or I believe it's a comparison side, which is uh, what happens a lot in... Um, with lead gen sites again you know they've got a strong chance of converting me and the first one to contact me might be the one that then gets that deal but then there's another thing which is brand intent so let's say um i want to buy a car most people cars are pretty you know choosy it's a bit like the type of computer you have you know you're going to go windows or mac or mm. chromebook or whatever the watch that you wear you know you can have a rolex you can have a um, I watch whatever um, and cars are kind of similar so then if I fill a form in to a particular vehicle um, and they're like Mercedes there's an argument to say the speed to lead is potentially not quite as important unless I'm shopping around like I'm not it's not the brand I'm interested in it's the type of car which again is almost like vertical intent like I don't know I want a people carrier or something like a big family car and I've gone BMW, Volvo, Mercedes, Lexus, whatever. Um, but if there's brand intent, it's, it's not necessarily quite as important um, because it, it's it's this aspiration that I have to that brand, which is the thing that's driving it. That doesn't say you shouldn't contact them immediately. Yeah, for sure. Um, this one. I think we say that when emotions involved, maybe the speed is not quite as um, quite as important. But yeah, so that covers that covers the sort of the traditional format more or less. Um, the sort of long held belief that you need to contact the lead as soon as possible. And like I said at the start, we're not disputing that. We sort of you've clarified a few things in it, but that exists. However, 
just for the, this podcast to make it more interesting, simply just repeating that. We're going to look at a few exceptions or to that rule or a few sort of scenarios where maybe it's not necessarily the best thing. So what are the alternatives to simply contacting ASAP? Okay, so number one is calendars. Um, I don't think it works with um, every product, like lower ticket items um, with quicker decisions being made. The reality is everyone's got busy lives, what they deem as important lives are all the same, you know, whether half of that is like meetings on Zoom that don't actually really mean anything, but you know, keeps people busy. Um, so when a user hits your form and they want to do whatever it is, I want to switch broadband provider. Um, I'm going to have like a specific time that I want to be called, right? I ignore, um, I would say, 85% of all numbers that ring me. I'm not even joking. And that, well, it's generally from people I don't know as a number just pops up. And that's always going to be the case, right? It's going to be rare that you're going to know the number that called you when you fill a form in, unless it's got like the name of the company or something, if it picks it up. Um, so the reality is, like for me personally, I'm just going to ignore that anyway unless it's immediate, which is the speed thing. But the reality is I'd prefer just to be able to book a time that I can speak to someone. If this thing is going to take me 20 minutes, 30 minutes, to potentially convert, and I'm going to have to give a load of details out and find out a load of details and go through a bunch of crap. Um, I want to book like an allotted time at 2 p.m. <coughs> on this day for someone to speak to me. I want a calendar invite being sent to me with multiple reminders coming up to it. Um, and then it's blocked in my time. I'm going to make time for it. And it's actually a really good way to show intent for the user as well. I think it necessarily works for every product, but where there's a sort of a consultation going on or a lengthy sales process or a bit of fact finding, um, it's a really good way to um, get someone's intent and get time with them. And invariably, they show up if they're interested, right? Yeah. There is, I mean, the only issue you could face is if they are shopping around and someone else just contacts them immediately and usurps you. Um, but this is why you need to try and add value um, in whatever the entity is that they've filled the form and then in lead nurturing up to the point that the calendar appointment is coming up to. I just wrote a little note there because as you were talking, it suddenly think it's almost like this sort of shifting perspective about how we treat leads less as sort of numbers actually now as people and it goes on to sort of how you build a relationship with people it's kind of just setting it's setting that relationship off on a on the right in the right way um we're not simply just calling them we're actually saying here's the choice like what what is better for you like that sort of it's a small thing but i think that makes a difference in terms of establishing that relationship between a brand and a prospect so rather than simply making a quick sale actually a whole lifetime value of like a relationship between them it puts the ball in their court right exactly. it's like now you are in control of when this thing is going to happen it's, it's a lot more respectful in some sense i mean it, it, like i say it's not it's not perfect for every vertical necessarily um what if this feeds into sort of a kind of gdpr post gdpr sort of thing as well like you said you know you ignore calls and i'm saying right I don't know whether 10 years ago, maybe I would have been more open to kind of calls. I don't know. But I think people are very conscious now 
of people like ringing them and being intrusive, even if they've submitted that lead. Like if I get, you know, if I submit something, they don't ring me straight, like straight away. I kind of tend to sort of ignore everything pretty much unless I've got it kind of blocked in. I wonder whether that is almost like a GDPR thing. Like people have to sort of react to that and like you say, offer them new ways. I think this is the funny thing about, um, you know, post GDPR in the UK and Europe. I get bombarded more now with mm. more shy and crap that I just don't want, will never respond to, never read, you know, delete every email, I never pick up the phone um, mm. than ever before. It's it's like an absolute plague. Um, and it's just become like absolute banner blindness um, to all methods of communication with me. So I tend to only respond to things I've like signed up to or, you know, want to contact. So in which case, it's you know it really reinforces the need for intent mm. um and when and like we mentioned that when you have a lot of intent in specific ways like especially if it's brand intent which is again comes back to this thing of like building brands for lead generators and brands becoming lead generators um you know that sort of points in the thing of booking a calendar and uh appointment yeah. and putting the the time of contact back into the power of the user. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's let's take that further with the other alternatives because I've just got a few written down here and purchase links. Mm. Talk to us about purchase links. So this is like fairly simple, right? If someone's filling a um, lead gen form in, um, and you very rarely see anyone do this, is actually put a purchase link on the thank you page. So after they've filled the details in, put a link um, after you've collected the lead and they can just go in and actually convert online. Yeah. And the reason people don't do it is because they're worried that those sales won't get attributed back to them um, because they wouldn't necessarily measure that that sale had come from that lead generator. Because the whole point like a lead gen form is you, you want to sort of like put blinkers on the user so they can just concentrate on filling the form and it gets submitted. But if you can use tracking links that are associated to each um, lead generator, each source, so that if a sale happens, it can get attributed back to them. What's great about this is you still have the contact information anyway. So a lead's been submitted, you've given the user an option to purchase online and you can actually set like timings up that if this link is clicked you know don't submit the lead for like five ten minutes or something so you might want to wait if you're giving the user the option to actually visit online to make the purchase they're contacting you about to see whether that actually happens and you uh contact them but obviously you need to measure that it's been clicked and then what you need to test is um what percentage actually go on to um complete online if any so that's that's one option. It's interesting as well because we we've talked before about thank you pages as being this kind of heavily underutilized real estate that a lot of people don't pay attention to. I know we've done a podcast on this, no podcast, but we've definitely discussed it on podcast before. Um, kind of comes back to this idea as well of the perspective of like how you're measuring success in this. Like if you are just thinking all I'm bothered about is a lead then it's like the thank you page is kind of the end of the journey, so you're not going to bother using it. But if you are thinking about is, if, you, if you're measuring sales, it's the start of the journey when they submit the lead, and that's where the thank you page becomes important, and that's why I put the purchase link there. 
becomes a more of a sort of a attractive offer. Yeah, I just want to quickly clarify something into this, just in case anyone's thinking it. Let's say I've got a ping tree and I have a, a lead coming into me and it could go to one of three buyers. So I might have different rules depending on which one it's going to go to. And then I'm waiting on the feedback to see if that client accepts it. Within a certain time frame, you could adjust that payment link so it matches the particular buyer that you're driving the lead to. So you could say to the user, you know, Acme company um, will be contacting you shortly. But if you'd like to purchase online or I know, explore some other deal or something, um, click this link uh, to complete. There's a caveat, which is if you can't get that response of who it's going to quickly enough, you can't show anything. Um, so you sort of need to go into that with that mindset that if their API takes, I don't know, 40 seconds to respond, even 15 seconds, someone's going to leave. Um, you just need a generic message and it you know, you don't show any link. So it's going to be like, you know, someone will be con in contact shortly, but at least you've got the um, lead to actually submit to someone. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So I was discussing this, it's this whole idea of, I don't say evolving, but we talk a lot about this lead gen 1.0 progressing from that. It feels to me like these are the sort of, the small ways that maybe you can start to think about that. And a lot of it's just giving the consumer a little bit choice, developing a relationship with them, not necessarily just treating them as members and acting really fast and all that kind of stuff. Um, with that in mind, I've got the last point to discuss, which I think is worth following on from here, which is two-way SMS. Yeah, this is just a conversation via SMS with the user that submitted a lead. So there's a bunch of companies that do this. Um, we work with a couple that do it. So the lead comes in, um, they submit the form, you could either ask them on the thank you page again, like, you know, do you want a call now? Or do you want an SMS? Um, or you just send them an SMS saying, um, you know, thanks for your inquiry. Um, how would you like to follow on, you know, carry on here? Or would you like a call? If they click it, it goes to submit an API and they get a call. If not, it's just a chat conversation. So there are a couple of companies I know that do it. There's, a, um, there's two ways of doing this, right? So one is you have a, robot doing it it's just you know it's like an automated response obviously that can go badly wrong because yeah. if they start putting some weird stuff um <laughs> so the couple of robots, man. yeah the couple of companies um i know that do it they'll they might have elements of that and what happens is they have like as if it's agents that as a, a call center and they'll step in so they're almost like watching the robot <laughs> and if uh it gets to the point where the robot's struggling whatever the agent steps in and what happens is a lot of people who can't be bothered with a call, you know, like it's 2022 now um, and they just want to like communicate in completely different ways. You know, I spend half my time sitting on like Slack talking to people, everything's IM or, you know, other platforms and whatever else. And everybody's the same. So if they can, can just complete these conversations in like a channel of their choosing, where I can find out, oh, you know, well, who's your current broadband provider? If I don't have that information already, when did you sign up to them? Um, you know, are you looking to switch now or is it in whatever? What is the fastest speed that you want? Blah, blah, blah. And I get all this information via text and I can still speak to them because this is like a, you know, they might want to speak to someone, they might not. It might then be a purchase link that gets sent to them after a conversation of 10 minutes and whatever else. But this two-way SMS, um, or it could be WhatsApp if you want, 
like however you're going to do it um it's a it's just like a brilliant way of doing it it's like you know mm. think of the time saving as well for the um brands or the call centers that are doing this because you can actually have like multiple conversations at once yeah you know, like one agent who typically might be on the phone for 20 minutes, that person could field five different conversations at the same time. It feels like not an inevitable way to route to go, but it feels like a sort of a natural route to go. Like people are using that more and more. I feel like that will develop um, more so than it is now for sure. Well, I think the key is this all sort of, you know, is pointing back to the same thing, which is putting the power back into the user's hands about mm. how they're going to be contacted, the channel of their choosing, when they're going to be contacted, how they're going to complete sales, how they're going to move forward. And so the thing is, speed to lead does all these things, right? Like you have just said, I want to change car insurance now on PPC. It's like high intent. I've just searched for it. I filled your form in. I've called you and whatever else. But that calling is removing their power. You're just sort of reacting to their intent at, them at that moment when everything we've been talking about is like clarifying their intent, giving them control, getting them to like explore whether this is what they want to do and whether they're like going to qualify themselves. And does a salesperson even need to speak to them at this point or is it too early in the journey? Um, you know, it reduces costs potentially improves relationships, less annoying calls, less annoying contact. I'm not saying that it should be used in every single vertical because I get it. There's some things that aren't. And then the ways that we talked about speed to lead is entirely necessary in a lot of cases, but there are alternatives. I just want to ask you quickly, because I've written a note here before I forget, um, going back to the chatbot stuff. And I've got absolutely no empirical data to support this. It's just purely my personal view, so I want to see what you think. But my issue is when, if I know it's a chatbot and they're rubbish, I'm fine with that. Like, as long as I'm very aware of it. Or if it's a person, the, the middle ground, which I really hate, is when they try and trick me into like thinking it's a person when I know full well it's not. It's that sort of lack of transparency that really irks me. I don't know whether everyone else feels that way. There's no data to supply that, but I, that, that's purely what I think. So whether I'm sure. Well, no, there's two people's data here because I feel exactly the same way. So the minute we're a hundred percent agreement on that. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, like I was booking uh, some flights uh, a couple of months ago on an airline, and they had a chatbot that was a hundred percent like a chatbot, and it didn't pretend to be anything. It was incredibly fucking annoying. Um, because I just couldn't get, like, I was just, I was trying to call them, I was trying to email them and everything else. I couldn't get the information, but you're right. I I was like, well, at least it's not sort of, you know, it's just this chatbot. They've not put the information in it. Um, you know, it's a bit like searching a SaaS platform when you want to know a particular thing in that document that hasn't been written. Um, but yeah, like, we've all had these chatbots that pretend to be human. They're just, it's absolutely <laughs> lame. Um, yeah. And this is the point. This is why, you know, some cases, I'm not every case, sometimes, it, you know, if it's like a really easy inquiry, it just works. But in a lot of cases, when it's, you know, a sort of mid to high ticket item, it can have re like reasonably complex scenarios and questions around it. You need a human to step in. And that, I, like, for me, should be in like the channel of the choosing of the, 
know, this is the person becoming a sale. Like yeah. they should be calling the shots. It's like them walking into your store <coughs> and you going, well, you know, you can only buy these apples if you put these gloves on. And you're like, I just want a fucking bag of apples. <laughs> it's a really lame analogy, but it sounded really good in my mind. I've got completely lost that analogy. I'm going to nod that. Um, I think it was a, it was a good analogy. <laughs> think about gloves and apples. Yeah. Um, okay, I think as as often the way we kind of had an idea for the podcast probably veered off slightly. Um, I think for me, what's interesting is we said speed lead isn't the only way, but it's not as if it's either or. What we've actually said is you need like a few different options. Um, and then you give the person, the, the potential customer, the lead, the ch their choice. It's almost like squad rotation. You need a few different players. You know, one's not performing, bringing someone else. Um, to put in a lame football analogy again, it's off and away. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I think it's not a case of give up speed to lead and people. It's simply a case of saying you need a few different things in, in your toolkit and giving them the option. I guess. Yeah, exactly. And like anything, test it. And I think this also points back to the fact of having a brand as well you know being a sort of big fish in a small pond um because then you get more brand intent and with more brand intent um you know speed is i'm absolutely 100 percent certain will still be important but it, it's not quite the same impact because the point is that it's you the brand which are the the one getting the intent and this works both ways as well because if you've already got the brand, giving them more options strengthens relationships, strengthens strengthens the brand. So it's kind of like a yeah, what we call it the opposite of a vicious circle. You coined something before. Virtuous. <laughs> virtuous. It wasn't I me. Said, I remember it was uh, someone told yeah. me. I put it on LinkedIn. <laughs> like it's I thought it's got like I think it's got a nice circle, and they were like, no, I called it a nice circle. Yeah, <laughs> and they said no, it's a virtuous circle. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, I think we've I think we've covered a few things there. Um, suitably a pretty speedy podcast um yeah we'll maybe come back to it again at a late point but that was cool um that was episode 78 speed to lead isn't the only way thanks for listening to the b2c lead generation podcast be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world <laughs>